Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boink Radio Podcast here on the Boink Network Discord server. Today we are talking about the social side of Boink, the education, the science communication, the science participation, the gamification, all of it, why it's so important and how it works. But first, the Boink Radio Podcast is a participatory podcast, takes point takes place every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time on the Blink Network Discord server. Everyone is welcome to join in the discussion right here in the text chat. If you have a mic, you're also welcome to join if you so choose. If you type something in the text chat, no, we'll bring it into the recorded conversation for you. Um, I'm going to say hello to everyone who's here. And I'm also going to add that I am your host, Jay Ringo, joined as always by the the soon-to-be developer um, dude, Delta, from Down Under. You were going really good there. It could make a science trap. Science education. Science gamification. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Next week. You know what? You make all the song ideas, and then I end up actually turning them into songs. Like uh, I end up copywriting. (laughs) (laughs) There can be only one singer on the show. Uh, But hey, Delta, before we get into the news, which for everyone listening, there's not much news this week, so we're really just going to jump into the main discussion. But first, we have to know what you're drinking. Give it to us straight. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't have time to make tea this morning, but... I appreciate your honesty, you know? Yeah, okay, but I still have some tea ready to go, so um, next week you might see some more tea, but this one's a bit interesting. There's a little fish and chip shop that's um, near where I am, and uh, they sell this drink called LNP. Not L-N-P, it's L-N-P, and it stands for Lemon and Peora. And so it comes from our um, New Zealander brothers down uh, down southeast of us, and uh, it's described as good lemony stuff. Now here's the kicker: they're not even sure what's in this. <laughs> the people, who and I'm sell not it? kidding. They say that on the label. Read this: who knows what awesome good lemony stuff goes into the taste of Ellen P? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you drinking that? <laughs> I'm drinking it because it tastes good. (laughs) Fair enough, yeah. So for any of you that want to try out what New Zealanders drink, you can get some LNP soda. It actually doesn't taste that bad. It just tastes like normal lemonade. But in all seriousness, I talked with one of my New Zealander friends and they said uh, the um, the reason why they say that they don't know what's in it is because um, in the, I think it's an actual place called Peora where they used to manufacture it or I think where they still manufacture it. Uh, they have a special like spring uh, water sort of, um, yeah, a water spring from Peora and they just use the water from Peora in order to do it. I don't know if I'm saying Peora right. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm pronouncing it wrong, but yeah, they use the water from Peora or at least something from Peora to put it into the drink. So that's probably why it's called that. Huh. Knowledge is power. Although I'm not sure how powerful that knowledge is. Um, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, Shoot me the drink. Are, are we good on the intro? <laughs> I think yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I've got my usual coffee. Folks in the chat, feel free to let us know what you're drinking. I'm excited to, to hear if we're, we got rum again this week. Um, but other than do, that... Do they have designer coffees? Honey rum. Do they have designer coffee? No, <laughs> but you can be coffee a coffee snob. Yeah, because I, 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 you've heard all of my different teas now, and they come from a really nice, expensive place. So I wonder if they had like designer coffee. Oh no, there's there's plenty of different type, types of coffee. Um, oh, yeah, the, um, the little pod um, coffee machine things. Oh Bad. god, no! Whoever drinks that is, is a horrible human being. That's so much trash. <laughs> they create so much trash. Although there's some recyclable ones now, but uh, yeah, no, 
I'll, I'll maybe I'll find some coffee stuff for you. I just ordered some coffee seeds. I'm gonna grow my own coffee trees moving forward. I'll oh, keep you guys up as we move forward. <laughs> Very excited. I actually already have some, but I left a window open a couple winters ago, and they haven't fully recovered. I'm just like, you know what? It's time for a hard reset. And we're just gonna try again, Aww. which is a shame because these stuff, these trees take like three to five years just to mature to the point where they flower. So I have to start that all over again. <sighs> anyway, time for the show. All right, so news this week. There's really not much, so we're just going to highlight uh, a, a project and what they found, and it is Prime Grid, and they found a really big prime number. Hey! As usual. <laughs> is this how many digits it is? Uh, they found their 500th mega prime, uh, and this is just, I'm reading directly from a tweet of theirs. You can follow them at Prime Grid. Uh, only 728 prime numbers with 1 million digits or more have ever been found. And they have found 69% of those primes. So the number is, <clears throat> well, it's 1,075,000 digits. And the number itself is 4265418.2 raised to the power of 131072 plus 1. Um, so and the plus the plus one is actually important. <laughs> it's not just there for for show. Did, did I just well, that's absolutely right. A good example is is four plus one equals five, right? Oh, there you go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so congratulations to Prime Grid and congratulations to Boink Cruncher Nortech for the the find there. And this is a great example of uh, just a, a average cruncher getting credited for doing something pretty cool. Finding a really, 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 really big Do you need a round of applause? I can get a round of applause. Let me use my elbow. Hey! All right. So that's all the news we got this week. I will throw a reminder to any Boink project or anyone in the community. If you have news you want us to talk about, just reach out to us, boink.network at gmail.com or jump on the Discord and we will be sure to mention it. But yeah, let's move into the main topic tonight. And we are running... Uh, with sort of the, the themes we've been doing for the past couple of weeks, we talked about Boink and business. We talked about Boink and hardware. And now we're going to talk about Boink and sort of the, the the social aspect of it. Kind of like what we were talking science about at the end of last year. Science education. <laughs> science <laughs> gamification. So I'm just going to kick it off here with a little bit of an anecdote, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, and, and this... Uh, calls back to when we were doing the uh, tribute to SETI at home, which was a project started by this this guy, David Getty and others. But uh, Mr. Getty was inspired uh, from the uh, the Apollo launches back in, oh, oh I'm going to butcher it. I think it's the 60s, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's 69. I'm sorry, right? America. <laughs> <laughs> but these were scientific endeavors that were really global, but uh, televised, right? And kids were sitting at home just watching them on TV, which itself was kind of a new and novel thing. But they were excited about science because of it. And whole a whole generation went into the sciences because they got to see these people land on Mars. <laughs> see these people land on the moon. Yeah. Oh, I am sorry, America. Did you really just... Okay, uh, you said you were going to butcher it, but I didn't think that bad. <laughs> Oh, look, man, it's Santa Friday. Here we go. But they got to see these people land on the moon, and, and they went into the sciences. And one of them went off to make SETI at home. And here we are with Boink, because they made SETI at home. And Delta, you and I were talking about at the end of um, 
last episode how there's really no you said in it you said that there was no bill nye anymore i was saying that there's no really societal drive for science anymore and yeah. this is this is exactly what i'm talking about back then you had the apollo missions and now it's really we got the space force i guess we're starting to see it come back but the problem is that the apollo missions were a military thing they were military and political uh they weren't purely for the science science was a tool to a to a different end um and, and we don't have that necessity anymore so much. But I'm saying that also acknowledging that things are very rapidly changing. Technology and science is becoming militaristic and political again. And it's a shame that it has to be this way, it, it seems. But because of that, there's probably about to be a bunch of money pumped into sciences and distributed computing specifically. And for example, uh, a Democrat and a Republican here in the US just teamed up to announce a complete restructuring, a proposal for a complete restructuring of the NSF, National Science Foundation, which would see its funding raised from something like six billion, some small number like that, to over a hundred billion. And it would restructure Holy. it. Yeah, it would restructure completely. There's pros and cons. We won't get into the specifics, but it's because of the tension between the U.S. and China, more or less, with uh, technology and scientific advancement. But that, so who knows what's going to come out of that push, and who knows if that push is going to succeed. But without that, ignoring that very recent development, uh, there's really no no scientific drive. And Boink is one of the, or Volunteer Computing, University bring up a lot, are some of the, the few real drivers of scientific engagement. You know, and I'm wondering if you guys see the same thing, and, and do you see that connection between the military and science, and the politics and the science, and the lack thereof? You know. Well, uh, it's mostly always been from just human panic and rush. So whenever it's just human nature that if a human panics, it'll get something done. So uh, if in the case of the Apollo missions, if they see that Russia is going to take over the US in terms of the space race, then of course, they're going to push everything they can to beat them. It's just natural competition. So there's always been a link. It's a shame we couldn't just compete about science. <laughs> the one constant that I that you can see from this is that science is the driver of innovation. So no matter what it is, even if it's some sort of business innovation, some sort of military innovation, some sort of anything innovation, it comes from science itself. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess it's what's driving the science to move forward. What's driving that scientific innovation that really bugs me? And the, it's one of the things, at the same time, it's one of the things I really, really respect about Boink. Boink has no um, agenda to it. It's an open source permissionless platform. Anyone can come in and just do science with data, whatever, <laughs> like do it. It's awesome. And at the same time, it uses that sort of structure to engage people in that scientific discovery themselves. We just highlighted a guy who found a, uh, or a person that just found a, a very, very large prime number. There are people who have found uh, candidates for vaccines for Zika. There are people who have found uh, pulsars. And these are just regular people. They're not trying to, to compete with anyone except for other boinkers for you know gamified reasons we'll talk about a little later. But they're just doing it for science and they get to participate. And that's very, very important because when people are kept out of the participation process, first of all, you don't get that sort of adrenaline rush, that endorphin rush that wants you to, to keep <laughs> yes, going. Yes, so when I study science in high school, <laughs> I get an adrenaline rush. <laughs> 
the 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 concept is like as you complete a task, you want to do the next tax task and next task, and you just want to keep going. On taxes, <laughs> <laughs> you you don't get that if you're not participating in the first place. So it get people in, let them feel that sense of completion, and keep it going. And you're also you you stop caring about it in the space race. It was a point of national pride and and competition, or survival, like you were saying. Uh, is Russia going to beat us to the moon? No, we as a nation are going to beat them to the moon. So everyone's invested in the system, and they want to do more. They want to learn more about it, and they want to even grow up and have careers in the field that that the, that race was based on. It, it's very important. I'm looking forward to seeing what like Boink, as small as it is and as big as it could be. I'm looking forward to seeing what Boink. Um, what sort of influence Boink has people and their careers uh, because they just crunched a number or helped to do some biology project or something and then decided to become a doctor, right? Yeah, and it's just generally good to have some sort of scientific knowledge just in yourself. It can be applied to everyday life, just how there are a lot of people in high school who said, oh, I don't want to do science. How am I going to use this in real life? But no, when you actually do get to adulthood and speaking from personal experience, there is a lot of stuff that you do learn in the high school science and high school maths that actually applies to the real world. And it's just good general knowledge in order to have. And uh, I really wish that uh, there'd be a bigger push to get more people on Boink because it's one of the easiest ways to just really just get hands-on with science. And one thing that I definitely want to see is a lot more screensavers or graphics applications because I love to show all my family members when they're coming over and say, oh, look, I'm searching for pulsars or I'm searching for aliens. Look at this fast Fourier transform or I'm folding proteins. Look at this one falling onto the uh, coronavirus spike sort of thing like that. Yeah, me too. Those are really fun. And it gets people asking questions, even if it's not like immediately, like they'll go home and they'll, uh, if you let's use the coronavirus example, they'll go home and they'll, they'll hear this conspiracy theory and they'll be like, oh, wait, 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 my, my nephew is actually helping fold this protein to fight the coronavirus. Let me go ask them what they think about this crazy idea about vaccines. You'll be like, well, I, I don't know the details but i'm a little connected to how the science works and i just being connected in that small amount i can tell you that that's nonsense whatever this conspiracy theory is so the point i'm getting at is that even having a small connection to the knowledge and how or, or the process on how we gain the knowledge makes it makes the individual less susceptible to um manipulation on a for lack of a better term nonsense scale like so it's harder to believe that gravity isn't real it's harder to believe that vaccines are evil and, and all this stuff and that's very very important that that connection between an individual and the process we don't want to exclude people we want to bring them into the particip we want yeah we want to bring them in and have them participate in it I want to see a prime grid screensaver and just have like, a, a, while your computer is generating the number, it'll just print it out to the screen. Oh my God. <laughs> Millions of digits. You're going to need like top of the line graphics card because you know it's going to be fancy. I want to see it in oh, Roman yeah. numerals. No, 3D and then all the numbers <laughs> is like rotating in 3D space. Oh man, 3D mazes. Except... Oh, Matrix, Matrix. Ooh, Matrix of ooh, numbers. That's a good one. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. I'm uh, on board. Prime grid, Go. if you're listening, make this screensaver. Make it now. I hereby make my idea public domain. <laughs> but not your songs? You won't let me sing? <laughs> no, I'm copywriting my songs. <laughs> uh, Zach Pop says that uh, science is always driven by societal forces that were tangible to it, no? Like e-commerce over the internet. First thing I ever bought was marijuana. It still creates new innovations that can grow in all direction. Um, I'm not sure I'm fully grasping I agree thought. with that. 
if businesses find a new way to make money, they'll invest in research and development to get it done. Um, unfortunately, we're seeing through these days that there's a lot less money being put into research and development from the private sector, uh, at least here in Australia. Well, to an extent, I agree. If that's the thought, I think you're clarifying here. But the to it on another like on the other hand, not really. There's the social contract aspect of science where uh, a state or an authority would grant land to a university to develop just knowledge. And it wouldn't be to develop a vaccine. It wouldn't be to develop a a dishwasher or something translational. It would just be knowledge. And they would do it with the understanding that, yes, that knowledge, basically knowledge is power. And that comes in cycles. You know, there are periods of foundational and basic research. The 80s and 90s were great for foundational research. Think of the Human Genome Project. All we want is to, to learn about it. And, and the projects that led up to the Human, human Genome Project. Um, that was foundational research. And now we're going through a translational research cycle with that knowledge we gained. We learned about genes and how to manipulate them. And now we're trying to develop like designer babies or some products like that. Uh, so it's a give and take. And it's not always society advances science. Sometimes science drives society. Um, we developed gunpowder and then society went to war sort of thing. Well, I was going to say, um, yeah, I, I, uh, you said it quite um, uh, technically and uh, the translational cycle sort of thing of it. So um, we might have reached a stage where we might not be able to find that much more foundational research, uh, even though there's many, still many possibilities. It might be uh, less of a possibility given our current technological ability. However, in order, uh, this is uh, this is just my theory. In order to keep science valid and keep science running in common society, they had to make this sort of trans uh, translational science sort of stuff in order to apply it, apply the foundational principles to the real world. Right. So you like you you uh, you build a tower three blocks tall, and every time you add a fourth block, it falls over. So you figure out how to add a fourth block. So you have to learn how to make glue or something. And then you learn how to make glue, and then you, then you build a tower six blocks tall, and then you just kind of keep repeating that cycle until it's give and take. Until the entire glue tower falls over. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it's uh, stuff like my guttering idea from last episode, where <laughs> you take the foundational idea of mathematics, and then you apply it into <laughs> some sort of translated product that creates awesome gutters for awesome houses. That's uh, a great name for your business, Awesome Gutters for Awesome Houses. Yeah, and it brings a lot more creativity into science rather than just raw science. So um, I think that's a good. Uh, I think that's a good thing because it does in, it does open up the field to a lot more people because now you don't just need your raw scientific knowledge or raw science. Uh, sorry raw mathematical knowledge uh, and just raw raw knowledge in general, you now need to have a little bit of creativity. So if you're trying to find or make something new, uh, how can that new thing be applied to, I don't know, maybe the business world or maybe to a problem uh, like the coronavirus? Um, and yeah, by having that, it accelerates science further. It gets more funding into the field. It increases research and development and just generally increases our overall quality of li- uh, quality of life. Right. And that's a great thing that Boink is actually positioned to do. Like we've talked before about uh, having art projects on Boink, distributed computing art projects. And it's because it's this permissionless system that encourages people to participate. So someone could come in and make a, an art Boink project. 
And at that project will stand next to LHC at Home, which you just did a wonderful project brief on, will be uploaded shortly after this episode, guys, keep an eye out. But you now have artists and scientists within the same network talking to each other, exchanging ideas, instead of having uh, all the biologists from different universities only talking among themselves and not really experiencing or, or, or sharing their knowledge and taking in creative insight from the outside. So it boink creates this system of communication. It's not just a distributed computing, it's a distributed network at, at the full sense of the word, not just technical. And it's really, 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 it's really cool. You don't see a lot of distributed computing projects that are so permissionless, that are so open to creativity and malleable. And one of the ways that Boink encourages people to um, sort of communicate is through sort of, I don't know if it's intentional or not when they built the infrastructure, but it's incentive. They use non-currency-based incentivization. So a Boink project, all right, let's start at the beginning. So Boink is this big network of many different distributed computing projects. And it could be said that someone contributing to any project is part of the Boink network. So if I, as a project, want to get that, individuals that contributors contributors processing power, I need to convince them to crunch my project and not another project. I need them to crunch dishwashing at home, not guttering at home. So I have to <laughs> I have to communicate why my project is so much better than guttering at home. Or maybe not better, but we don't need to directly compete but we're competing. We're competing for this person's resources, for their time, for their computation cycle. And I'm incentivized to educate them, essentially. Why my science is valuable, how it works, how they contribute. Uh, you and I here happen to provide a service <laughs> for free to these blank projects trying to communicate. Dishwashing. <laughs> trying yeah. to communicate okay. why Dishwashing. <laughs> we provide that service. Great. <laughs> why their science is worthwhile, why people should communicate. But ideally... These projects should be doing it and, and should be competing with each other. And I think eventually, you know, the network, if it succeeds, if the infrastructure is indeed technically sound and scalable and all that, I think it will reach that point just naturally. It's just got to keep growing. Um, but I think that's a really cool mechanism within the point structures, that incentive, that education incentive. I personally think um, it would need a combination of that and also uh, to take a hint from the business sector. So I personally think that if a, a Boink project wants continuous and long-term engagement by the crunchers, they have to also grow and continue just like how businesses do. So they have to make maybe a new application or maybe they improve their website or make a new feature on their website, maybe... Um, do something with credit um, where credits are handed out to the to the crunches, and I'm talking point credits, so the credits that don't actually have any monetary uh, monetary value. Um, and yeah, I personally think that they have to grow. They have to maybe make a new screensaver, help out another project. Um, and the most key thing about all of them is to get results. So if you get results, that's a form of growing. And just uh, and crunches are very, very interested and people are just very, very interested on in getting their name on a paper or getting their name on a prime number or getting their name on an amicable number. It's, it's just that art of growing and growing the community. And if you can show that there is growth and there is engagement, then a lot more people will come and it'll be a lot more friendly. Yeah, I agree. In the same vein, uh, Sackpap says here, uh, what about volunteers giving more direct feedback to the network about the stuff they're interested in? So maybe projects emerge that will address those interests rather than wait for projects that interest them to emerge. That's a 
uh, very much tied to what you were just saying, have just like a bigger connection, you know, <laughs> a connection to the community and upgrade and, the internet. <laughs> yeah, and and build to fit the needs or the the desires of the people you're working with. And part of that is intentional. It's got to be intentional. Part of it's just a natural growth. Part of growth, right? I was gonna say um, it, that what SecPop's suggesting is a little bit hard to do because in order to get a Boink project up and running, you have to go and th- go through and figure out how to get the server up, and then you got to figure out uh, how to set up a server for it, and then how to organize your internet and whatnot. And um, having someone that just creates a boink project every time someone suggests something new is a little bit inefficient like i know there are some projects and i know um uh, thomas was in here uh earlier and uh his project he's open to having different applications on his projects so it could go along the lines of that where you say oh i have an idea for an application um to run on boink it's this does that and that that and you can go up to a project admin um and say oh hey can i get this application on there and maybe they'll say yes um, but just talking about an, a bank of ideas, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's just who's going to program it. Yep. The, the developer base is a huge, huge aspect. I wonder if there's a way. So um, Boink has this thing that you've alluded to, Delta, credits, where they've basically gamified the system. The more you crunch, the more credits you earn, and you can earn badges, and you can make teams and competitions. We've actually highlighted several competitions here. Uh, the Pentathlon just happened, which is run by this group, this team called SETI Germany. Um, Country Stands Frontier is another great group. They run... Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm blanking on the name of the big competition you guys are in. Oh, the Thor Challenge. Um, and there are other uh, inter intra and inter-project competitions that happen all the time. And I'm wondering if that if, if development can't be gamified in any way. just Because gamification is another huge aspect of Boink that keeps people coming back, that, that keeps them doing stuff. Results are definitely the primary one. Feeling like you're contributing, understanding what you're contributing to. Uh, but also credits are nice. Badges are great. <laughs> Ooh, number go up. Yay. <laughs> exactly. How many million credits do you have, Jeringa? Oh, I I'm not gonna I'm ashamed to say in front of Jim. <laughs> <laughs> uh for those listening, Jim is here. He has been crunching since like the beginning. Um, he has I'm an insane number of credits. Um, when Delta finds out how many credits he has, uh, Sackpack says, but maybe people are concerned about programming for Boink if they think there wouldn't be interested in what they're analyzing. Showing volunteer interest might encourage them to take an extra step to code that project. That's actually an interesting idea, and that wouldn't be too difficult to do. You're basically saying, you know, pull the community every so often and see what people want. Like, what do they want to crunch? Um, okay, there, really isn't, there, there isn't that much of that going on. I've actually never seen a poll being proactive, being like, hey, what project do you want to see done? I see projects like World Community Grid come out with new projects all the time, and that's awesome. I love it. But it's never like, what project do you want to see? Okay, we're going to go find a researcher who's working on that. We're going to do it. Jim, you've blown me out of the water. I only have 122 million credits. Jim there has 8 billion. And that's all on my own hardware, too. Oh, I mean, isn't it all on our own hardware? Oh, no, some people use business computers and um, what's school computers as well. Right, fair enough. He, he won it fair and square, so what are we going to do? <laughs> I, I've been doing this since July of 1999, even before... Yeah, that's why. <laughs> there we go. All right, Did you, see if you can beat Jim, everyone. <laughs> We're here to beat Jim. 
Should we make? Oh, we need a boink radio uh, boink team so we can beat Jim. Oh, we still gotta make a team. So <laughs> Sackpop, I think uh, I think we will put together a poll or something. This is an interesting idea. I would love to see what people respond to. I wonder how we want to phrase the poll. Yeah, stick it on the Boink Network Twitter and uh, I think the Reddit as well. Because uh, I think one thing with Boink is that there's off. It's often hard to find everyone all in one place because they're all scattered around the different projects and their forums. So it's um, that's the main issue. This is very true. Anyway, speaking of developers, uh, because I do advanced computer science, uh, next uh, next university semester I'll be uh, spending my time doing the advanced project by um, helping out with the development of Boink and. Um, uh, and some other open source projects too, uh, but mainly Boink because um, I'm very keen on Boink. But I was thinking, um, yeah, I noticed that uh, the one key thing with engagement is the look of the website. So I was thinking that when I do the developing um, next semester, uh, I'll probably do some web development and fix up the site and make it look at least a little bit more uh, a, a little bit more better than it is now because it is really sort of basic and it look it reminds me of like the 2005 era or something like that. I that's probably because that. that's the last time it was coded. <laughs> yeah, so I think a little bit of updating would do it well, uh, especially also because uh, doing a bit of web development in university myself um, uh, on one of my units, they do teach us search engine optimization. So if we can get the Boink websites out there and optimized with search engines more, we can reach a lot more people. Cool. Last thought here before we wrap this up. Quick episode. Good episode, though. Very dense. Very dense. You got to dig into that thing. It's like a nice, nicely cooked tuna, you know? Anyway. <laughs> cooked tuna? What the hell are you on? <laughs> Sackpop says, on gamification, I've seen other platforms do a bounty system for features. Maybe something like that could be implemented for Boink. The difficulty with, with right, this open source stuff is both a blessing and a curse. Uh, Funding. The, it, yeah, it allows anyone to participate and it allows anyone to, to build it up and, and, and go any which way they want. But Celsius says the funding. So there's no funding for it as it stands. Uh, there's We've talked about Boink and businesses. There's plenty of things that make money off of Boink. It would be cool if they developed a nonprofit together to develop funding. Um, and we've also talked about cryptocurrency networks, which you know ideally would be able to fund development of Boink. Uh, and then... Uh, of course, there's got to be a shout out to IBM, which has put a buttload of money into developing Boink because they use it for World Community Grid. So, the, I mean, the, the possibility exists, but it's so difficult to get all these separate entities working together for a common goal that it would take some doing. I'll tell you what, let's get the, the virtual workshop going first and see how that goes. <laughs> that goes well. We'll see what we can do here at our end. But uh, I mean, I think it sounds that that would be ideal but that requires bringing money in. All right, so to wrap up here, I think we got a Boink rig of the week. But first, I've got some stars with L and dance with Y. Podcast is brought to you by this group, library.science. Speaking of science communication, library.science is a group of folks that support science literacy, science communication, scientific content and curation, and the advancement of the decentralized system of science, that whole Web 3.0 aspect. Um, they themselves are supported by another Web 3.0 aspect, the library protocol, which is, uh, among other things, a decentralized content hosting platform. Would recommend checking them out at library.tv, library.org, or library. No, no, it's just those two now, library.tv or library.org. That's L-B-R-Y 
.tv or .org. Huge shout out to them for helping support the show. Thank you guys. I demand now, royalties. Rig of the week. Rig of the week. All right. Uh, this week's rig of the week uh, comes from uh, who was it? I've got that name cut off. Nobody here in the uh, not nobody, but <laughs> no buddy here in the gotcha, here gotcha. in the um, here in the Discord chat uh, in uh, uh, the Boink Network Discord chat. He has a number of rigs, but I've chosen the most spectacular of them, and he calls it Space Heater 1, named after, uh, because it's crunching astrophysics projects uh, and produces the most heat, apparently. Um, and, oh, geez, he's going to heat a big aquarium with fish inside of it. And just to describe what the image is, it's just got a uh, regular-looking PC with the side panel open, and he's got a big tank with just water in it and it's being heated by the cpu uh the specs are it's got a core 2 quad q9450 a gts 250 and two gigabytes of ddr2 memory this thing's ancient but it's hot (laughs) it's really gonna heat a fish tank with it this is awesome (laughs) it is a good idea but uh, i've seen a lot of people using it as real heaters to heat their actual house uh, which is what, possible. fish aren't real people? Come on, man. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Congratulations to nobody. I'm going to try your clap really quick. Congratulations to nobody. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us uh, for this week's episode. We'll be back next week. Who knows what we'll be talking about. If you want us to talk about a specific episode or a specific topic, feel free to reach out to us at Boink Network on Twitter, at boink.network at gmail.com, or here on the Boink Network Discord server. And we'll do our best to cover what you want us to talk about. Eh? Otherwise, it was a great time. Thanks for everyone in the chat. We will see you next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time right here on the Boink Network Discord server. Have a great weekend, everyone. See ya. Bye. Thank you. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Boink Radio Podcast here on the Boink Network Discord server. Today is... <laughs> I couldn't do it.